right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. Yay, yay. We back. Episode fo fo. Shout out to Mo. Ooh, he was a poet and he did know it. That had to be corny for it. <laughs> what it do though? Or Mo Malo. Uh, nah, that doesn't work. Nope, so you fucked it up. You ruined See, it. You yeah, should have let it read. too far. One line gotta too let far. It White people always taking shit too far, man. <laughs> that, that might be a theme uh, for, for this episode. Uh, happy belated Martin Luther King Day, um, which is not a holiday the way people treat it, which yeah. kind of irks me, which yes. as we're going to talk about white people, you know, accepting the trauma of the black community on themselves, I'm not going to speak on. Because <laughs> people are like... Like so someone, someone said this uh, in, in my group chat today. They were calling out someone that they saw on social media that was like, they were like, oh, this MLK tweet like inspired me to get my degree. And I was like, no, nah, that's not how that works. Like, <laughs> uh, my favorite one <clears throat> came from, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember, I forgot his nearest name, but his last name was Brian. He used to be a writer for uh, ESPN. And he just put MLK Day, white liberals quote injustice everywhere is a threat to justice everywhere end quote white conservatives i have a dream where people will be judged not by the color of their skin but by the content of the character end quote black people quote will you please leave that man alone (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and speaking of leaving that man alone i I, uh alluded this to to reese in in the pre-show because you know he doesn't have his socials um I have them. They're just not activated. Fair. You act like you act like I lost them in a flood. Well, or you're lucky. Goddamn. You're lucky that you didn't have them to see the foolishness that is Darren Rebell, who. Oh was, yeah. Well, I don't know what happened with Darren. Rebell. <laughs> who was bragging about his MLK and Rosa Parks like rookie card and like autograph collection? I was like, and then he was he in the year of our Lord 2022, whatever Lord and deity you believe in, dropped a several of my close friends are black. And then it gets worse. He shares one piece of his autograph collection, which is the prison logs signed by MLK to accept his mail, like in and out, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's fucked up. One to share. And two, he was like, I tried to uh, put like donate it on loan to the Smithsonian, but they just wanted it and they want me to donate it. How ridiculous is that? And then it gets wait, wait, wait. I gotta ask. I gotta, yeah. Why did he start going off about like memor- and the okay memory? Because he has like, no awareness of like how people and words work. I don't okay, think. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I didn't miss anything. So and and here's and I say this as someone, as you know, that that is someone who likes collecting memorabilia and autographs and the like. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna buy, because I I would agree having a, a log of you know, like uh, something signed from when he was in prison, like very unique. I'm not going to say cool because it's still <laughs> really fucked up. But if, if you get that, you buy it in an auction. That's a really unique piece of memorabilia. I'll even give you that word. No, he bought it from the family of the warden of the jail. And my the, i will say the the absolute funniest response on twitter that i saw to that was you know he's making out the check say so do i make it out to james crow or jim crow <laughs> <laughs> but darren i, Rebell, I hope you step on legos and open a nature valley bar on your bed Ooh, anger i i, I wonder 
what sends him down the rabbit hole of inquiring about these items. You know what I mean? Like these aren't like eBay items. Like these are items that like you went out and you look for. Like how I wonder yeah. when that when that trajectory happened. Yeah, like I, I don't even know. Like, like it's just like you're just reading through his Wikipedia and be like, huh, I wonder if this random jail in Alabama like has old stuff that they're willing to like move from. And like like I don't know, it just seems real like that extra level of fucked up like like i'm i'm someone like some of my favorite pieces in my collections are signatures from negro league players mm-hmm. like um like I, I think one of the coolest things you can get is like a check or like a signed letter for example yeah. like you get like a cut signature put in a card and you know great or whatever looks dope like i have one like that for buck leonard I have Cool Papa Bell, like, assigned, like, mm-hmm. the postcard little thing for, of the Hall of Fame plaque. I, I really did he, did he do, like, a big P? I hope he did a big P. But I'm just, like, to like if you get open market, like, yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think, like, what that would be for me. Like, it's so hard to even fathom. <laughs> like, 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 that's oh. just – it's the extra type of morality that I can't – So, I don't, I don't know Dan Rovell's, like, history, like, family history. Like, I only know him from, like, the sports landscape. Yeah. And even that, I know very little about him. So maybe in his history, like his family history, he has some type of connection to, to Southern states or like the civil rights movement or MLK or anything. I'm like, I'm literally shooting him bell. You get what I'm saying? Because, you know, Sonny. Yeah, Fidel I think you're giving him shit. too much credit. But like, um, but this is this is also what I'll say, though. I think that there is no line on what people choose to buy and sell and auction off. Like I realized that when people were selling like the, the car that Tupac was killed in, I was like, y'all selling that? Like what is really going on? Or like when XXX Tentacion got killed in his I8 BMW, his mom yeah. put it out in front of like a museum of his. And I was like, that is not really, I don't know if that's really where I want to be. Like, it'll be dope. Like I ain't gonna lie. It'll be dope if I own like Emmett Till's like, What's it called? Um, <clears throat> when you go to the funeral and you get the uh, the pamphlet. Yeah. Like if somehow um, that came across yeah. my desk where it was like, hey, here you go. You can have one of these. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I don't want the fucking rope he was lynched with. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. But like, I like it, it to me, it's like. Um, like, it, it, like, I don't know, like it's the difference of like finding a letter um, that's signed by. Oh, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, like Harriet Tubman, right? This this is an example. Like it, it's to me, it's like it's the difference of like you find a letter that Harriet Tubman wrote someone mm-hmm. versus reaching out to like the a slave owners, descendants of the slave owners, yeah. to have some record of her. Yeah, like like there's a there's an extra layer to, of morality there that feels like you should have some social awareness to know that's not okay. But you got to remember, you're asking for morality from a, a place where, like, one of my from a journalist. Quotes, in, in no, but one of my favorite too. quotes that I made up is that we got to stop asking for humanity from people who don't look at us as human. Mm-hmm. I said that when when George Floyd got killed, people were like, I can't believe, him. like, what are we trying? We spent Speaking all of which, these years. Did you see that, by the way? And well, not to get political. Let me finish this point though. We spent all of those years trying to be quote unquote equal when in our actuality people are not looking at us as people so that is never going to work out so when i hear people like buying things that are deaf artifacts or struggle artifacts or like at the university of pennsylvania they were like they had the bones from some of the people who died in the move bombings in philadelphia and they were like putting them on display as if they were animals Mm -hmm. um and it was was just something where black people 
are not afforded the same type of care that other people are afforded even in death. And that's just kind of how we how we rock roll with it. And and it's sad. Like if like if you actually think about it, besides JFK, I don't remember any white person of that kind of stature who was killed when we saw their dead body. Like ever. Almost every black person who was killed of that kind of stature, you saw their dead body. Yeah, I mean, certainly not in America that like jumped to mind. Like obviously people in history like um well then again like it's not like caesar was white <laughs> he's olive um i don't know i'm trying to think like there's certainly I... dude they published pictures of two lincoln, autopsy in like lincoln Excel. maybe but like you, you didn't, didn't see it the same way body. Yeah, yeah, that was a little different. Like you know, if you were in the theater, you may have caught a glimpse. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like they didn't even they didn't even cover Malcolm X up when he took him out of the Audubon ballroom when he got shot up in front of his family. They brought him out on a stretcher in front of the crowd, just there. Mm -hmm. That's wild shit that that this happens to to black bodies. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things where I think that's part of it where that level of care is not attributed because people not looking at it the same way, even though it probably should looked at as a more heightened way. Because historically speaking, it hasn't been looked at that way. Yeah, it's almost like history has allowed everyone to get numb to it. I don't know if it's, I feel like in order to get numb They're to just, something, they just don't it. care. Yeah, I'm about to say, you have to feel something in order to get numb to it. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a, there's just not there. It's just, it's, 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 maybe I mean more like it's just become so normalized mm-hmm. where somehow at the same time, like a white body would be so like, Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if the world could handle that. And and this is this is not to to dilute this person's situation, but I, I like last night I watched the Gabby Patillo documentary on Peacock. The girl who went missing, the social media influencer who went missing last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's Patillo. I think I'm saying that correctly. But there is something in America where if a white woman goes missing, it's like mass hysteria. Like it was something they snuck into the documentary. I was sitting there watching. I'm like, this is sad. This is fucked up. And then at the end of at the very end of the documentary, like when I say the end, they're about to roll the credits. And then they put one thing, like a blank page, a black page that says, um, because she went missing in Utah. Excuse me. I believe it was Utah she went missing in. And they were like, since 2010, 740 indigenous women have gone missing in Utah. Yep. And then it goes back to our story. Like, that's the only other time they was like. We're that, not that, really, that, was, that was some producer that like found that and was like, I, re- I really think we need to put this in. And the executive producer was like, no, we're not talking about that. And they found a way to get it in. Like, I like agree. that's what that strikes me as is like someone conscience. realized that it needed to be said mm-hmm. and they had to like, it was so pushed down that they had to find a weird one, like I a agree. weird, like one off spot. Yep, I agree with you. Because if you if you wasn't paying attention, you wouldn't even have seen it. Because they don't say anything; they just put it on the screen for like literally twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. Then that joke goes away, and then it's like it's crazy. We're off to the next thing. Yeah. So there is. I agree with you. There is something there where it's like there is a, a big disconnect. There, there's just a gap in that mental fortitude to look at everybody the same way. Even though while we're living, people have been. I would give people credit over the last thirty years have been really not really last ten years. People have really been really scrutinized and focused on human lives and human decency. But I feel like as many people are trying to do that, the worst shit goes. You know, I've seen more dead bodies 
um, digitally than I did probably in person. And I've seen a lot of dead people in person, you know, like it's a weird thing that happens. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like we have this real murder porn thing that we're doing in our country. And so it's interesting that you said that because I saw a clip and this is no indication about how I feel about certain people politically, but I was like blown away that the president of the United States said this on MLK day that, um, Biden essentially said that he believed that MLK's death did not have as much of a global impact as George Floyd because there was no internet. Now, I wasn't around in 1968 to like... Mm-hmm. My grandmothers were. Yeah, my dad was. He seemed to believe that there was a pretty big impact. <laughs> <laughs> He says nay. <laughs> Say, my, my dad was there watching him speak at uh, at St. Joe's. Yeah, man. one of his last stops before he got killed. Mm-hmm. It's I get what he's saying, and so if you just go straight numbers, he's right because there's more people on the earth than there was when MLK got killed. There's more people who saw it than when MLK got killed. There's more people who are attuned to what's happening in America than when MLK got killed. So if you go straight hard stats. Volume. Yeah, if you go volume, yes, he's he's right. But if you go impact, you can't say that right now because it just happened. Like yeah, this is not true. really like MLK. It just felt like a weird thing to say. Like more than anything, it just felt like a weird thing to say on MLK Day. I feel like, you, but you said it at the top of this whole this whole podcast. People don't know how to celebrate MLK Day, so yeah. people just be doing shit. Like people just be out here. <laughs> like when when Juneteenth was made a federal holiday last year, I was mad as shit at work because I was like, and it was like, what what's the problem? I was like, why is white people lost? Like I was straight up, I was open about. It. I was like, yo, why are white people lost? And they were like, Wait, this I feels. Actually, I'm, I'm looking either. at it now on eBay. Balls. This feels pretty cheap for a a a like certified MLK signed postcard. Listen, man, I asked my boss, who is a white woman, and we were talking, and she was like, so what's going on? And I was like. I don't know how I feel about this whole Juneteenth thing. And she was like, what, what do you mean? You don't think it should be a federal holiday? I was like, I don't know why white people are off. And she looked at me and she could tell she wanted to laugh. But she was just like, I agree. I don't, I don't really, <laughs> but I'm going to take the day off. Like, I don't, like, I don't know what's going on. So like, it's, it's yeah, weird, I was man. like growing up in my hometown that had a, a pretty strong Jewish population. Like we used to get off uh, for all the Jewish holidays too. It was delightful. Uh, you know, like half of their holidays, if not more, are like in remembrance of suffering. And we're just like, oh, no school today. Yeah. Most of their holidays are one of those like never forget type of feelings. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm looking now. I think think tonight I might buy a satchel page autograph. These these feel uh, affordable. Gotta be ill. It'd be ill if it was on like a high sock. Um, but like, what, what is it's your? It's gonna feeling? be like an index card, probably. <laughs> so, what what is your feeling about forty four, man? Who is the person that you you slide into with your forty four? So, as we discussed in the pre show, there's a lot of great forty fours. Um, yeah, all different too. All different, <laughs> all sports. Um, like, like I feel like there's a lot of numbers where it's like, okay, you're only gonna look at a couple sports here. But this one kind of had a little bit of everything: great baseball, great basketball. Mm-hmm. You can get some good football in there. You even get um, some hockey if you if you can really get like. some hockey. You can yeah. get some hockey. Um, I went baseball. Okay. And I I looked at the list. I said, "There's so many all." This is going to sound demeaning. There's so many all-time great players 
with great accolades and you could talk about them forever. So I went for a pick from the heart. I went for a guy who, when he was acquired by my team, I cried. Not out of happiness at the time, but he became an instrumental part of bringing the first championship, uh, not the first championship, the first World Series to Boston since 1918. Uh, it's the one only, you know, we talked about there's a lot of whitest of white versus mm-hmm. like totally swaggy dudes. I went with the swagger, two-time gold glover, one-time World Series champ, Orlando Cabrera. Ooh, Orlando Cabrera. I, I always ride for Orlando Cabrera. He got to Boston. He he had the impossible task of being the shortstop that basically Nomar was traded away for, um, which is why I cried. Um, you know, I, I could talk about Nomar forever. I think we did a good discussion on him at number five. So, um, but Orlando Cabrera was like one of those heart, heart of the team type of guys, which I always loved. Uh, when he got there, it was like he had a, a handshake with every player on the team. Even, in, mm-hmm. even when he was there for a half a season, like he was literally there for 58 games. And like, I don't, I, I think people around Boston would still like get his drinks today. Like no one would have a problem. He also won a gold glove, like for someone that like wasn't around forever, like winning two gold gloves at shortstop is always worth some praise, I think. Yeah. Like he won a gold glove in 07 in the AL. Like, if my memory serves me correctly, like Vizquel was still around. Like, there's still great shortstops. He also won one in the NL in, in 01. Also, you, everyone gets an extra swagger point. Would you agree? Every, anyone that played on the Expos has an extra swagger point. I don't know why. It depends on when you played on the Astros. I feel like it's one of those teams where like like nineties. Oh yeah, the nineties, mid early mid two thousands. They had they had a they had like a certain swag from like from BGO like the ninety fourteen. No, not the Astros. The Expos. Oh, you said I thought you said Astros. No, Montreal Expos. Oh, X. Oh yeah, that's easy. Yeah, that's hundred percent. Yeah, because like anyone that was there from nineteen ninety to when they moved to Washington, extra swagger point. Yeah, hundred percent. That's, a, that's five that's five votes since your Hall of Fame credentials off the top. Mm-hmm. Which I think so, Orlando Cabrera has already been on the ballot and thus off the ballot probably for another yeah. five years. So Yeah, he, he's not making it. He, he's um, a Hall of Famer in my heart. I disagree. He also, that he he also hit a home run in his first at bat with the Red Sox. That's a really good way to endear yourself to a fan base that wants to hate you going in. Yeah. And that's not that's not a racial thing. I'd just like to say it was again because he was replacing Nomar. I got to defend the Boston fan base the little bits I can. That's not why they were rooting against him, uh, but it probably also was. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, no, definitely, definitely not at that time because, like, the Red Sox fan base at that time was basically adopted, gentrifying yet also adopted into Latin culture. Because every game was just like a Dominican block party. I'm not giving you that. Nope. I'm not giving you that. You see, I think I think, Boston, were. I think Boston fans had a had a hall pass. Like they weren't really they didn't get a membership Real card. Ball. Yeah, they didn't get a they didn't get membership. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get membership cards. They got hall passes during certain times of the day. It's fair. And, and, by the time it was yeah. like well, I don't know. Let's see. Uh by 08 or 09, I think was no 09, man, he got traded. Round 09 was like, then we had like Pedroia. We, we were we were trying to steal some Native American culture probably with Ellsbury, except no one talked about it. Try it. Okay. I, I always thought it was cool that we had a Navajo on the team, but 
I wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like there was like Dominican flags like it was in the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's a good pick. That's definitely a solid pick. He's like in a hall of what could have been. The Hall of Swagger. I, I think he's a Hall of Swagger guy, twenty first century. If you watched him play, oh. I mean he wasn't on teams that you watched a lot. You he's definitely not first ballot. I'll certainly say that. <laughs> especially at that position. That I mean that position is stacked for the Hall. Yeah, that's, that's why to me I was just like mm, I don't know because that's a hard. Maybe shift him to second. Even second's kind of a swaggy. But when you were swagging at second, you're, Brandon, you're Phillip, Brandon that Phillips' first ballot. Man, that's but it's a like hard you know you, you look on. at the great second baseman like Craig Biggio is not Hall of Swagger. No, Mark Rudzalonic is not Hall of Swagger. No. Nah. Um, Pedroia, I don't think would be Hall of Swagger. Yeah, mm. he had. He had like he, a sneaky swagger to him. He's close. Yeah. Have you ever heard the story about his bet with? Uh, Are we not Mary doing? We're not turning this into a Boston okay. podcast. Number okay, forty-four. Sorry. Number forty-four. Number forty-four. You want to talk about a, a Yankee here, or are you going mm-hmm. Laker? Are we going anti-Boston either way? So I can't go anti-Boston because arguably my favorite point guard of all time played for Boston, but he didn't play from when he was himself. Um, he played from much later in his life when his legs didn't work. So. I gotta give. <laughs> that I gotta, Danny Ainge. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I gotta give credit to my guy, Pistol Pete Maravich. Okay. Um, he is one of the first basketball players that that I actually genuinely loved when it came to athletes. And it's weird because I mean, he played his last game before I was even born. And when it, it's just a, we- I have a weird connection with Pistol Pete Maravich as an undersized basketball player whose handles was like one of his main points. All of these kind of things. He was a guy who didn't. I still don't think he gets the credit he deserves for averaging forty-four plus points per game as a no college player without a three-point as a first career, and he played his whole career. <laughs> like he didn't go. Did, he wasn't didn't a they one say like you could like almost double his points, or, or like so, someone like somehow went yeah, back and like looked at the shooter, logs on a lot of it. Someone's like, yeah, yeah, he would have had like three thousand more points. It's insane. He, he and he doesn't to me. And this is like he's the, also the, not the, undersized, which. I, f- I always thought he was undersized. He's like six three. He's listed at six five. He's listed at six five. That's why he's like <laughs> six three. That's why he's like six three. You know, you know my rule. You got to take an inch and a half of off off every athlete's height thing. Huh? But once, but there's certain guys where it's like they they want to be listed at six. Like you look at the KG thing. He's like, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not. I don't want to be listed at seven feet. It's like dog, but, you're seven two. But to me, Pistol P is undersized because he played in a league where you had to be a center to dominate. So that's how I looked at him as undersized. Not like short for a regular person. I mean, for like he was, he played he was in, certainly you know, way before his time, way extremely before his time. And so I got to give shout out to him. He's not my pick, but I need to give him shout out, especially because he played his whole career with one less heart valve than everybody else and ended up dying after he retired because of that same issue playing pickup game at the YMCA gangster i was about to get really upset because i was like how is he not the first overall pick of his draft at least the two guys ahead of him went to the hall of fame i still don't know what you see in pete maravich in college to be like i don't want that guy on my team as my first pick apparently he was a dick <laughs> i want him on my team even more than uh, back then not at that time not at that time yeah not back then nowadays you could be a dickhead and everybody like oh you whatever, guess who the, who the uh first picks were what year was it? 70. 1970? Yeah. 1970. First two teams picking the Pistons and the San Diego Rockets. San Diego, so the Rockets and the Pistons. 1970. 
I can give you the schools too if you want. I want the schools. I want the schools. All right. We'll go number two first. Okay. It might be a little less obvious. And that's the Rockets, 1970. Okay. Yeah, Michigan. Mm, there's a lot of great players back then from Michigan. This guy, here's my hint, and this will give it away, you know, just for the for the sake of time. Um, this guy, when I think of his name, I think of the Rockets as well, but I think of him as a coach. Rudy Tomjanovich? It is indeed. Okay. And okay, look at over, that. <laughs> it doesn't crazy. I, I knew you'd have that. I knew you'd have that. Number one <laughs> you threw that pick. shit to the room. The Detroit, the Pistons of Detroit. Uh, and he's a Bonnie. Ooh, St. Bonaventure? Mm-hmm. Ooh. St. Bonnie, St. Bonnie's. I don't think first, I knew he was a Bonnie. Pick. I don't think first I knew this guy was at St. Bonaventure. Yeah, that's weird. St. First pick, 1970, Detroit Pistons. Was yeah. it... Bill Lambert. Oh, weird how close that is to be completely wrong. <laughs> Bob Lanier. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how close I've never noticed that. Weird how close uh, their names are for two people that could not be less alike. <laughs> less alike and both play for the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Not Rudy Tom John. Uh, look, look, he is. You know, Dave Cowens, number four, also in this. Yeah, Dave Cowens was a beast. Also in this draft, Calvin Murphy, also to the San Diego Rockets. That's a good draft. Tiny yeah. in that is in that draft. Tiny Archer. When he went to the Kings, uh, the Royals. But yeah, he's at the Ro- oh yeah, Sacramento Royals. Yeah, Cincy Royals. What you doing? Mm. Okay, all right. So my number forty four is Hank Aaron. Had to give it to him. The second greatest home run hitter, you know, you know who's number one in our book. Um, but I will never forget. I'm not gonna go. We already went to Hank Aaron because after he died, that's still but... bold though. I will say, <clears throat> you know, hmm? it's still bold to say he's number two. Oh, uh, he's no, he has to be number two. Come on, man. I'm with it. You know, what I mean, I can't, I can't not. But, but the he also hit what never reason... hit 50 in a season, right? That's the crazy, yeah. He's he, he had a lot of 40s, a lot of 40s and 30s, but he also had more, reason... uh, more all stars than seasons played. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. <laughs> yeah, double it up in one year. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons why I had to pick him is not only because of his cultural impact and and what it meant. Right after MLK Day, he he was a pioneer in civil rights, and also um, it's wild because uh, one of my most cherished possessions that I have comes from uh, Doctor Bro, who is my one of my good friends' fathers. He gave me, he had two, he had two things that was like his life possessions outside of his kids and his wife. Right. And it was his two sports illustrators that came out those like around those years. And one of them was that he ended up giving me that I didn't, I tried not to take, but he refused to let me know was when Muhammad Ali lost his first fight ever. And it was to Joe Frazier after he got out of prison in in New York city. Right. So it's Joe Frazier landing that patented hook and you can see Ali shit get twisted. (laughs) He's like, Oh, this is real. Um, He gave me that. And then the other one he had was when Hank Aaron passed Babe Ruth. And it's wild because ML, I think the MLB thought he was going to get killed. So they tried to let him get, I think they really tried to let him get killed when he hit that home run to pass at 7.15. And those two white There's dudes, two white on, the dudes run on the field. Yeah. Right on the field. And they don't stop shit. And they run it right next to him. And Hank Aaron talked about it. He's like, I was afraid from a lot. I thought they were going to kill me right there. Yeah, I remember. And, and if you don't, you know, in baseball, if you don't hit home plate, 
you ain't shit scoring. Don't count. Yeah. Shit don't count. So like I thought they were like trying to set my man up, but it was one of those things. It was one of those moments in American history where you realize that just because Little you might did not they be, know that, that the record was already held by a black man already. Yeah. I mean, Babe Ruth was black too, but mm-hmm. um, little, but it's one of those things where you realize it was one of those moments in time where it's just like, oh, there's white people who aren't racist. There's white people who don't want to do somebody harm. They're excited. Yeah, I, mean, I think this. it really puts a time frame on when he was doing all this. Yeah, it, it made like it put a, it made him this dark skinned man from the South who played baseball at a level that almost nobody's ever played at. And still, and I think this is a conspiracy theory, but I'll probably go to my grave believing it. I, one of the reasons why I think they don't speak about Hank Aaron's amazing baseball career is because he passed Babe Ruth as a hitter. Hank Aaron is probably a top five baseball player ever. Probably, and that was, yeah. and if you take away the home runs, he still has over 2,000 like hits. Like it's like he's he, like a man, different he's, uh, tied for the see, actual career leader. So I think this means he's tied for the all-time record, if I'm reading this correctly, for RBIs, if not first. Um, but yeah, like it, it's you know we alluded to this. It's laughable that from 1959 to 1962, those four seasons, he made eight All-Star games, <laughs> <laughs> and his per his average for 154 game seasons. Were 40 home runs, 124 oh, yeah, no, RBIs. Say it, again. say it again, 154, not 162. Yeah, not 162. 154. I mean, if we want if we want to modernize it, let's scale it to the per 162 to, mm-hmm. to give some type of contextualization here. That would be the equivalent of 706 plate appearances, 632 at-bats, over 200 hits, which <laughs> don't count how many people get 200 hits a year, even in a hitter's <laughs> league that it is today. Yeah. 35 doubles. This dude's legging out nine triples. Mm-hmm. He's going to steal you 16 bags. He's going to walk six, 61 times, strike out 67. <laughs> 382 total bases. Mm-hmm. And that's before we get to home runs and RBIs, where he'd have 41 home runs and 130 RBIs. And that's for a four-year stretch that you could argue <clears> – <throat> Like nine, the next year after that stretch was actually better. Actually, so yeah, like right after that, they started getting to 160 games, 162, I think maybe. That might be wrong. Actually, yeah, I think that's wrong. But like the next year, he played 161 games, hit 44, 130. Uh, so yeah, it would just add on. And and can, and can you just tell the people his batting average for his career too? Yeah, including his last couple of years where he hit 230. Uh, 305 is the career batting average, <laughs> which I do think that batting average can not tell the true story. And in his case, I think that's the case because it doesn't say how great he is. Like, and Derek, he was a power like, hitter. Yeah, like, right. Exactly. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is gonna sound like I'm discrediting him. I promise it's not. Like Derek Jeter is like a 313, which is mm-hmm. all time great. His 313 is not the same as Hank Aaron's no. 305. Just level to his 313. Yeah, like each rose over 300. I'm sure of it. Ain't yeah. no way he's got a career OPS of 928. No. And Derek Jeter's 313 is a lot of slappers. A lot it's of like, slappers. Oh, singles. up the line, yeah. up That's the line. That's Ichiro's, the same kind of thought that I have with that. No. And it's not even Thanks taking into bullying. account. And this isn't even taking into account the racism that was like, he probably was struck out yeah. multiple same, times. Same thing that we talked about with Jackie. A couple, yeah. Couple it's like, dog, that was in dirt. Strike. Yeah. Half <laughs> those strikeouts were probably walks. 
Like he probably took it because it was a three-two pitch. Like mm. half those it's outs, just- he probably had, or maybe, maybe like you know, even a fifth, tenth, even a tenth of the times he got out. Like he had twelve thousand plate appearances and thirty-seven hundred hits. If Insane. a tenth of those nine thousand times that he got out. If he just doesn't swing or he's able to fight off a count a little more, like he, you know, like all, all these black hitters at this time were reaching for bad pitches because yeah. they knew they were going to get no love. Yup. Insane. Yeah. Like man. all these people get like, I don't, I don't know what the proportion is, but like they, they have to get like an inflation. Like there's, there's inflation to all of their numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Like five percent, like you have five percent more of everything. The racist inflation. <laughs> yeah, Inflate gate. That's yeah, what we're gonna call it. And he was a, a a very solid fielder too. Like he he doesn't get the credit he deserves for yeah. being a complete baseball player. Is in this because I really believe it's because he passed was considered the greatest white hitter at that time, and they was like, well, he's just a he's just a home run hitter. It's like. If you took away all his home runs, he's still arguably a top 20 baseball player ever. I mean, which is insane. Mean career, career 980 fielding percentage or no, uh, 982 fielding percentage, 144 errors, which is also a little bit skewed, I would argue, because 20 of them were as a first baseman in six years when he had yeah. to transition to that. Um, but like, you know, he had 23 seasons that he played games in the outfield, made 117 errors. Like you, you take that guy on your team. Yeah. 100%. Like, like, yeah, he, he's not Vlad Guerrero good defensively, but he wasn't like solid. a liability. Oh no. Solid. Yeah. Solid. And some of those errors, I was going to be the black guy. Probably yeah. Cause he's yeah. Black. yeah. Who, who they threw who it in the stands. Yo, I didn't even get that. It was close to you. That's an error. Like, yo dog. <laughs> Damn, how how mad do you think the uh, Hall of Fame voters were when Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, and Martin Marshall? I don't know. One Marshall missed it actually this year. Yeah, but that's say, crazy that he took like yeah. multiple years to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Hank Aaron, like, like these are the ones again where it's like, how do you? How are these guys not unanimous Hall of Famers? <laughs> like I know why. Yeah, I'm not playing dumb. <laughs> I'm not playing dumb here. I'm just like, this is where there needs to be checks and balances. I, I truly believe if you are a voter that didn't vote for a guy that gets at least 90% of the vote, you're not allowed to vote ever again. Like, I think that's fair. No comment. No I was like, comment. yeah, I think I already talked about it a couple episodes ago. I, I had a lot of... I, Dan so for years, For years, I kept on holding on to the hope that I was going to see certain people become unanimous entries into the Hall of Fame. And I I literally gave up on all baseball Hall of Fame by voting when Ken Griffey Jr. wasn't unanimous. I was like, I'm out. I don't even care anymore. Like, literally, I really don't care anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you told me this person got 0.0001% of what he needed to get in. He got in. Cool, he's in. Like, I don't even care anymore. Like, it's to the point where I'm just like, you don't vote for the kid. Fuck yeah. out of here, dude. Like, and there's I, nothing. And I think, there's I, think nobody I weirdly else. have the same exact reaction the other way with like the Jeter stuff, where it's like, apparently, Derek Jeter is this holier than now. I'm only going to vote for him just because Derek Jeter is like, 
No, you should also lose your ballot. If there's Hall of Famers on there and you just refuse to vote for them, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're like this impacts people. Like, you this think is you, Derek this Jeter, is part of what you played this game for? Do you think the reason why Derek Jeter was unanimous is because they don't know his race? <laughs> well, oh, oh, so, so it's interesting you said that because when I was talking about how Babe Ruth was already, you know, we already had a, a black all-time leader in home runs. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, who's the who's like the closest white guy on the list? And I was going to say A-Rob, but he's not white. He's so not white, yeah. I think it's got to be Jim Tomei. That's my – you know I love – he's Paul Bunyan. <laughs> he's literally Paul Bunyan. Jim Tomei with the four Jim arms and the – he's fucking Paul oh, Bunyan. Oh, also Jeter wasn't unanimous. Oh, he wasn't? Nah. So Moe's only it. unanimous. Yeah, Moe's the only one. Moe's the only one. Okay, I'll take it. Looking – yeah, no one got in last year. I keep forgetting Jeter wasn't unanimous. In my mind, he's unanimous. Yeah, I'm trying to see. I feel like I saw – I think the last I saw, Clemens, Bonds, and Schilling are all getting in. At like the at like the expected results, I thought. I thought Schilling wasn't good. I thought Schilling shit was like super it might low. Might not be. Well, his have gone down usually. Yeah. Yeah. I thought uh-huh. Schilling Jones, but I want to I want to speak one more thing about MLK Day. Yeah. Um, a, a old a, a older guy who I used to work with who stopped talking to me because I told him Ronald Reagan was the devil, but that's a different story. Um, he gave me a story that no, that's the different old dude. See, like I'm confusing my old dudes I work with. A guy I worked with who I used to have amazing conversation with, terrible to work with because his body was breaking down so badly, and we were cooks. And your body can't be breaking down as a cook. Like it just is not a, a profession where there's any sympathy or mercy. But he told me, and I never heard the story. He told me he was like this old hippie dude from the Philadelphia area who used to live in California. And he told me the reason why Will Chamberlain um left Philadelphia, left the Sixers, was because they made him play the same day MLK was assassinated. And it was a, it was a game against the Celtics. So, yep. like, I didn't notice at the time, but then I went back and did research, and I keep I read the story, like, every few years to keep my, my mind fresh about it. And it's wild because a lot of people don't understand how real cool uh, Will was with Bill Russell. Like, they were real cool. Like, it wasn't, like, one of those things where people were like, they hate each other. Like, no, the Celtics. It, yeah, it, it wasn't even, like, a they have mutual respect thing. Yeah, they were, like, homies. Yeah. And and they met. They met before the game and it's like, what should we do? Like, we don't really know what we should do. And they both were really like, we don't think we should play. And I cannot remember who it was who came in. It was like, no, you have to play. You have to play. You have to play. And apparently Will Chamberlain held that against the Sixers until like the day he left Philly. He was like, you going to another player. I'm not I can't remember off this time off the top of my head, but it was like it was interesting because when that happened, that was like the rift that created between the Sixers. Because if you think about it, Will Chamberlain played for the Philadelphia Warriors. They go to they go to the Bay. He comes back to Philadelphia and play for the Sixers because he loved to be in New York, but he could play for his hometown team. And then when MLK was assassinated, it was just like, oh, I'm completely done with this place. But the cool thing that I just learned that I never knew, you probably knew it, but I I found this out yesterday. Did you know that? Oscar Robinson put together a street basketball game after MLK was assassinated to raise money for MLK's. So Oscar Robinson put together a game. I think it was in New York on a hard top, black top outside. As it should be. 27 NBA players came, including Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. And they just balled out and raised money for, for MLK. That is crazy. And I need a documentary and footage. I was going to say that feels... Like maybe the only game that you put up there with the dream team scrimmage. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like that, that blew like, my those, mind. Those are the games where it's like to be a fly on that wall. How did we not know that? No camera. But still, like we there's no camera for the World Chamberlain 100 point game. <laughs> we just got a picture. <laughs> it didn't even look like he was sweating. That could have been before the game, for all we know. But like now, that's imagine that I'm just gonna choose to I'm gonna start saying that and be like, yeah, he actually said that before the game. It was like uh it was, it was like Bird talking to Kevin McHale when he like mm-hmm. summed himself out against the Hawks with 49 or well, I mean different circumstances, but when Chris Paul dropped 61 in high school when, when his grandfather got killed. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas when his yeah. sister got killed. Well, but 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 like Chris Paul had a number in mind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, he he knew it was a I got, a, I got, I got one at the same level. So I'll take away my Isaiah Thomas one. Russell Westbrook, when he put up 20, 20, 20 for Nipsey Hussle after he got killed mm-hmm. and Nipsey Hussle was a rolling 20 crit. That is insane. I think it was like the third game in NBA history for somebody his I was gonna size. Say, the to the other one that I, I would put there is, I know there was one time where Mike's Put a, like hit a mid range on a guy first possession of the game at forty eight. He started counting back down from yeah, <laughs> yeah. But That'd that was on purpose because the dude he did that with used to go to MJ's um camp in the summer and he was cool with him. And then I think he either joined the Pistons or he like did something and Mike was like, "Do some shit you can't do." Okay. And then he was like, "I'm giving you fifty next time." And he just starts counting. Uh, He's Jordan like, "Why are you Crawford, counting down? I mean, not like LeBron needed much help, but. uh I don't think Jordan Crawford uh, talked too oh, much. Oh, when he to dunked LeBron on him? Once he got to the league. Yeah. <laughs> and once he got to the league, he knew to keep a little quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan Crawford, I'll tell you. One of those people is just like, you should have been something and you just were not really it. But I want to transition. Is the last good the- player to come out of Xavier? The last good player to come out of Xavier, in my opinion, was David West. Yeah. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems well. It all checks out. David West was a beast. And I think that he was on his way to the Hall of Fame if he didn't, if he would have stayed with like the Hornets and putting those numbers up and like making the playoffs but not winning championship, I think he would have possibly have been like one of those late entries into the basketball Hall of Fame. But when he went to the Warriors to get those chips, he was such an important piece that he would never get the credit his career deserved because he was like a 18, 20 point guy, 10 rebound guy for a year. It was him and CP3. That was a real duo. Dude, he was a B, and he looked like a grown and he, man. And he was like in that first gener, like first true generation of stretch fours. Was like he yeah. was gonna, he was gonna shoot fifty plus percent from a seventeen feet. Oh yeah, and his jump shot was like a fade. It was always like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, he, he had that old man that. jumper. He definitely had an old man jumper. So since we talk about all these race relations, you know, MLK Day just passed. What has been your favorite race uh, intersection that has happened in social media recently? <laughs> That's what I'm calling um, a race intersection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite. Um, now, now I got to think. There's plenty that come to mind. Um, and, and I know where you're leading me, but I, I have a hard time responding with it after favorite. Uh, by the way, I did check, and you're right. Kurt Chilling is not doing well on the holiday. <laughs> His shit was in the toilet last time I saw it. I was like, Ugh. He's under 60% now. He's gone down the last couple of years. It's crazy what happened when you say that all when your candidacy is voted on by writers and you say that all writers and journalists should be lynched. So, you know, yeah. it's crazy what happens. Um, yeah. And you tell them that you don't and you tell them that you don't want to get in and you still get about 60 percent. Ain't that crazy? Like, isn't That's it like all, <laughs> all should be lynched and I don't want to get in? Well, we still going to vote for you. And they didn't even <laughs> vote. Honestly, honestly, unanimous. Honestly, honestly, I think 
that means he is a clear Hall of Famer at that point. Oh, yeah. Like, if this, you got to work that hard to people out. <laughs> this dude has done everything possible to not be voted for, and he's still out being outvoted by most people. Anyway. I think that's what I think that's also why we love Marshawn Lynch because it's like everything should say that we should everybody should hate this person because of yada because of the narrative. And be like, mm-hmm. fuck no, I love him more. And it's like it's solidified. I can't it, even like you know, it, it hurts. It hurts that uh Ryan Howard, Tim Linscombe, Joe Nathan, Papelbon, and Tashera are all gonna Lincecum. comfortably fall off this list, by the way. Wow, Tim Lincecum, a name I haven't heard in probably 10 years. That dude was the best pitcher in baseball for like three years, too. I think he was the best pitcher in baseball for a solid eight months out of three years. Yeah, like <laughs> like 0809, I think you'd put him up there that stretch with anyone uh, of those mm-hmm. years. But yeah, no, availability is the best ability. Anyways, yeah, his body um, broke down. You see, he he threw the baseball like Tiger Woods hit a golf ball. Like it was too herky jerky. You knew he was going to eventually yeah. hurt yourself. Yeah, he was all like back and torque, um, and he had no back. <laughs> like it was just like he's a small dude. Dude, he is teeny. So in this in this latest episode of the gentrification of hip hop culture, um, I assume this is what we wanted to discuss. I, I I'm still really not over it. Like it's it, you know it's hard to speak on. Um, apparently, hit him up by Tupac is now a TikTok dance trend. Um, and you know a, as I told you, I came across. A video on TikTok actually, because you can kind of duet other people's videos, and it was this very. I don't even know what that means. I don't even so, know. What that so means. it's basically like if you posted something on Instagram, mm-hmm. I would like take your video, and it's still mm-hmm. linked to your video, so like people could go back and watch. But it. you can post it, but I can like add on to it or something. So it's like, oh, so it's almost like a okay. quote tweet, like a quote so, tweet. So this would be a dope way to make a song. Yeah. Like sort of, if I yeah. started a freestyle and, and video, seen, seen it. like there have okay. been some really cool ones, or like people will put something up where it's like. It's them singing, and then they like leave a spot for someone to add a verse. Okay, like, so you like, tell me I should get back a, on social there media. There is kind of a dope collaboration. So you telling me I should get back on social media? Is that what you telling me? I want or, to send, I, I or, send you. So or this let might me be a good go, reason not to get on. Let me ghost right for you. Okay, I can deliver. I I, I, I mean go, I have, I I have to work on my my singing again. I haven't sang in years. Oh no, I mean I meant no, I meant rapping. We're going okay, straight I can rapping. do that too. I, I got, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ghost right here. I have decent enough rhythm, I think. I, I think I can. I think I can fit. I, I just don't. I don't have the words down enough. But oh no, I'm going to ghost right. Oh, I, I know. Okay. Yeah. Let's see, <laughs> see what we can do. You you can ghost right me. By the way, uh, you know, album coming uh, maybe soonish. I did. I have been working. I got some stuff to show you that will stay oh. secret to the listeners. Just 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 a little rough draft action. Um. Okay. Okay. Anyways. Do I get a feature? What do you mean? Oh no, I'm talking about yours. I'm talking about your album covers that I've been working. Oh, on. did you? Oh, they're finally here. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going to give myself enough credit to say they're finally here. <laughs> I gave it the smallest bit of thought and a little bit of work while oh, I was listening to so OT you know, this past weekend. Just so you know, I sent Ivan what I wanted back in the summer of 2020. I was like, "Yo, this is what I'm thinking. Let me know when you can get them to me. Like, this would be a cool idea." It's like, yeah, I got you. My, in his defense, a lot has happened, but it was funny. Like, you see me? I just completely was like, "What's going on?" And he was like, "Oh, those album covers." I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah I need those." <laughs> it was bad, and I'm usually better than that. So, anyways, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it is a kind of cool collaborative feature where it's like you can reply to people, but like yeah. in video form. But like someone that's viewing your video will also see what they did. Anyways, it was this upset like. I hate to use a, a cliche, almost like a Karen looking white girl, though, that was like, what's the greatest threat to the black community right now? 
And I swear to God, you know, you, anyone listening won't be able to see this, but I'm going to try and reenact it for Reese. It's this black woman. Like you can tell she's laying in bed, putting the least amount of effort into this possible. And her phone's just here. And she just goes, white women with an internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I swear, I watched that this morning. No more than two hours later. I will. I will. I gotta find it because I know I'm sweating right now because I just laugh so hard. Oh my god! I know I sent it to a couple people, but I watched that because my work shift starts at five a.m. I probably watched that at like six. Like at that point, I'm just scrolling social media, waiting for the next thing to come in that I need to do. And so naturally, people wake up after that. And my buddy sends me something at like eight, and it's these two girls couldn't have been more than probably fifteen or sixteen out in their driveway doing a dance to hit them up like a choreographed dance to hit them up by Tupac. And I was like, this, this is what that video was talking about. But like, you know, like, cause we, you know, and there's enough stuff on social media. Now you see stuff, you forget about it. I would remember that one. Cause I laughed so hard looking at it because like the response was so simple but there was no like over energy to it. It's it, like, you didn't try to make fun. You're just like, it, it's, it's this, <laughs> this is the issue. <laughs> and I Dude, saw wait, that wait, video. Wait, and I was wait, like, wait, 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 you know, you know how sobering must be when you ask a, a question you think is profound and the answer is you, you know, yeah. how fucking sober. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want, I'm going to, I'm going to try and send this to you right now, Dude. just so we can get a live reaction. Oh, I know I had gosh. to send this. I, I, I wonder if if that woman who said was the greatest threat got that response and actually took it in or did she just feel like there must be a mistake here i don't think you understood the question like, oh, like, oh, it must be the other ones <laughs> but yeah yeah all of these white women are tripping ain't they well yeah. let me pull this bad boy up the the funniest part is might actually also be the white dude that responds to the black woman <laughs> and it's just him laughing <laughs> Yo, that black woman was on a Metro PCS and was like, I'm using my last bit of data for this shit. Fuck it. (laughs) It was such a super, like, you you can tell she was just like, like, that woman's laying in bed, saw this video, like, that's dumb. I know what the answer is. I want to say it. She's like, but like, like I feel like for the brief moment, you're like, do I need to like sit up and do this? I'm like, no, this is such a dumb question that I'm just going to answer it like this. So I got to, I got to really, so, uh, so there's a lot here. One, that video with the black woman responding, Shay Magnifique, amazing, simply amazing. And there has been, there's been a lot of conversation within the black community about how detrimental white women have been directly towards black people, like specifically white women. And that could be a different podcast or it could be this podcast. But what I would also want to get some white women on for that one and then we'll mute them. Listen, I can call some white women up. Uh, but after seeing that hit them up video, I realized I need to delete some white women from my life. I was like, that that was such a, I told Ivan this before the podcast. I was like, I hope every one of those white people who are doing the dance to hit them up actually get shot. And I don't mean anything life-threatening. I don't think anything fatal. Just get a little graze wound so you can understand what the fuck was going on in 1995, 96. Like, I think, I think that anybody who was out here doing tour, they were doing pirouettes. They were putting their leg in the air like this was ballet. 
to one of the most aggressive songs in human history. It's first off, fuck your bitch. In a and, and they're like plan. dropping like a one and then a middle finger. And it's like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, 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 and one of the craziest things too about that whole situation, one of the craziest things too about the whole situation is that if you listen to Hit Him Up, the wor- some of the worst parts of the song is when he's not rapping, when he's just talking. I got a fofo, a ho- my fofo make sure all your kids don't grow. He said, my gun is going to be the reason why your kids don't get old. Yes. And you chose to do a ballerina spin to this. See, this is why black history can't be taught in schools because even pop history, they ain't even taught in schools anymore. Like right. people don't even know what Tupac is, what he was. They probably call him Tupac Shacker. Like, like this those are people that up, just man. straight up didn't, um, didn't, didn't listen to the whole song. That, that's the best way of putting it. You listen to that mm, first. Mm, mm. You don't let. I'm not letting you get them out. Actually, no. It doesn't first line. Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. Wait, wait. First lines of the song. First off, fuck your bitch in the click you claim. Like, yeah. It's the first lines. Like, <laughs> I, I love that. You know, you know who used hit him up for good. Ricky Gervais using that to the opening of the, like, one of his shows. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but he you, also you, understood you, the context of what the history of that song is. So I, I got to ask you this. As a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a white man, are you worried about the sure, fuckery it's, that's it's going on? white. White, man. Are you worried about the fuckery that I believe is going to ensue when February hits on social media? Um... Because I think there's gonna be a lot of people trying to like pay homage and in pride to black people, and then if you dance, if you buy, if you don't buy late dances to hit them up, you ain't ready to do honor towards Black History. No, um, I, I'd like to, I'd like to believe. Not what you hope. I didn't say what you hope. I said no. what you think is gonna happen. <laughs> What's gonna happen is, yes, I'm ready for it because I treat uncomfortability with humor at times mm-hmm. like i think I, I think i have uh and this is what i was saying i hope to believe i hope to believe or i believe that yeah no i would hope that people look at me in terms of interpersonal relationships the way mm-hmm. that like andrew schultz get look gets looked at mm-hmm. where it's like if you just make fun of the dumb shit then yes i'm ready for the dumb shit okay i i don't let that like it's sad and I can uh, appreciate the fact that people don't underestimate or don't understand the, the history of what they're doing. I also believe that they should be ridiculed to the nth degree until they look it up. <laughs> look them up. Dog, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was in uh, co- when I was in college, this is, this is super facts. I was in college um, I don't remember the person's name, but I can remember it being like they didn't know the difference between who Martin Luther was and Martin Luther King Jr. Like the like Lutherism, yes. Martin Luther. Yes, yes. They thought <laughs> they thought MLK Day was Martin was a Martin Luther and not Martin Luther King Jr. That happened but, when I was in but, college. But there's like, dude, I started college in 08. It ain't that long ago. <laughs> like. And it's long enough to Wait, keep like, I'm, I'm so confused. Like, where do you think, what do you think the K was? <laughs> like, I guess I could understand it more if they thought, like, MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., was also the guy that believed in Lutherism or Lutheranism and stuff. I think that, I think that's what it was, dude. I, was like, I don't what, think. German? Dude, 
he wasn't black. <laughs> he was not from <laughs> he wasn't American. He was not from Georgia. <laughs> it, dude, I think that they really thought they were the same person. I don't think that they thought like That's I'm crazy. Dead serious. Dude, I was in Wait, college. I was sitting here. I was, was like, what, like the 1600s? Yes. <laughs> and, okay, and, like, and like clearly, I don't have the greatest grasp on it. He died in 1546. You know what's crazy? If you Google Martin Luther, the third image that comes up as a little preview is a side-by-side of him and Martin Luther King. (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. Ain't that crazy that like a a national holiday, so national means your nation observes it. Yeah, A national holiday. I knew I was right. A, a, A national holiday. The only one dedicated to a black man outside of Christmas. We can talk about that later if you want. And you thought it was a non-American from I mean, let's the also 1600s. Be real. Christmas isn't actually about the black man that was born because <laughs> he wasn't born that day. No, it was about them stealing the it back from other cultures. Yeah, it was about people getting together, getting drunk, having sex together, and then also beating their wives. And it was a festival. And then it was like, let's change this It good else. until the beating their wives part. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's where I drew the line. I feel like, you know? I feel like that's the Getting together and getting drunk sounds pretty good. I feel like that's the start of every story from the 1950s. Yo, it sounded good to the beating the wise part came up. <laughs> that, that was like the one dude, I, I'm not going to talk about this because people won't understand this, but like the one dude from Arsenal Fan TV that had been like missing for a little while, mm-hmm. he like came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, he had a, like, I don't think a lot of people knew he was in legal trouble and his, he got his sentence tripled for stalking, kidnapping, and like assaulting his ex-partner or something. I was like, that's insane. I also anyway. I also learned uh, when OJ got arrested for the second time that kidnapping is when you hold somebody, you restrain somebody, and you move. I think ten feet. That's considered kidnapping, no matter that's what it is. Like you could be right, in the so same place. Just remember, nine feet and you're good. Yeah, dude, that's insane. It's just like I, th- I think federal larceny is like when you take nine over nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. So if you get to ten thousand, that's federal larceny. So you got to keep it under or something like that. That, that. That's like what I've come to learn in finance, like. There's certain thresholds that are like, yeah, you actually have to do something about that. Yeah, everything else is substantial. So like, right. that's in, like ten feet is nothing. No, ten that's feet is like they tried to escape. Yeah, and you grab them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Dude. which which I guess in in reality makes sense, but also I'd be more concerned if they didn't move the ten feet. <laughs> they just accepted it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It just dropped to the ground. But then again, if you just accept it, it also feels like less kidnapping somehow. <laughs> <laughs> they gave up. So is it really kidnapping? Yeah. Do you do you think that um do you think that we have gotten better over the last three years when it comes to race relations, or do you think that we have not gotten better, but it appears so to the rest of the world? Um I think no, but it appears better to the people who think that they're the ones driving change. Explain, sir. White women, uh, in particular, to circle back. (laughs) I think they think we're at a better place. Um, I mean, I can't speak to what it feels like to be a black man in America. Um, So, I mean, obviously, (laughs) I would divert that that, uh, opinion to yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you, white man, for giving me that black thing. <laughs> See, yeah, a white woman may not give you the same privilege there. Um, 
Oh man. But like I, I, I was about to say, well, I'll take it. Then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't do yeah. that. They might fucking don't take anything from me, sir. Yeah, they um, might try to Mississippi me. That's what I call it now, too. Like, Mississippi. And <laughs> my you start hearing M-I-S-S-I, S-S-I, P-P. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so fucked up. Um no, I don't know. I it because I I have a hard time believing that things are better when the same shit keeps happening. Mm, mm, mm. Does that make sense? But like, like it, it's like uh, the definition of insanity mm-hmm. is seeing the same results and like just doing the same thing, expecting different results. Yeah. Like, I, I guess there's the small, some of the smallest bars have been cleared, like in the Arbery case, that like mm-hmm. people are con- being convicted a little Can bit. A now? Question? Can I ask a quick question about yeah. that? Is that smallest bars or is that one of those things where? You had to do that. Like, there's no way out from that. It, it was such. It, it was a minimalist type of thing, though. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, we we saw literally you basically lynch this man for running in your neighborhood. Right. Like it was like there was no real wiggle room out of that. Where like <clears throat> they tried like, to like paint. that was that was that was the type of bar to clear to prove that it isn't like so far gone past any type of. I get what you're saying. Effect. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if you had missed on that one. No, it, I would have given up almost completely that anything was ever going to change. I can dig that. I can dig that. I, I think that we have progressed the conversation of race relations in America, but we haven't done much to change it. I think that the fact that more cops have been put in prison for killing people is, is definitely a, a change in the system. However, the cops aren't always getting the, the, the max sentence of what they could get, which I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm out here being like, give them death. However, if I was in that situation and cops were in a situation, I know my sentence would be a lot different than what they're giving cops out. So yeah. it is one of these weird ones where <clears throat> it's hard to judge it. And I have friends all over the, the world, actually. Like I have a really good friend of mine who's from Finland, who still lives in Finland now. I have. I'm trying um, to get out there. Can we go visit? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm serious about that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I want to go to Scandinavia real bad. I would love to go visit her either sometime this year if COVID permits or next year. Like, we've been talking about it for a while. So if you really want to go, let me know. I'm with it. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> who doesn't know anything about race relations at all? Because everybody in Finland literally looks almost the same. Like, blue eyes. Like, whiter than eyes me. And blonde hair. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, they look at me like I'm a black man because I have brown hair or something. Dude, they would look at you like, so what are you? Like, it would be like one of those things. And I have, a, I have a, another friend who's from Jordan who lives in Germany right now. It's a different world right there, especially when you combine the Middle East and then you go to Europe with those kind of politics. And I have a good friend who's also from Paris. Um, and, and none of these friends of mine are, are black. You know what I mean? Like uh, two of them are white and one of them is Arab. So it's, it's like when it, you can argue like Arab and black, you can kind of argue that historically. However, the people that <laughs> don't like those people, there's no difference. Yeah, they, they call us in words and they call them sand in words. So what are we doing here? And that's um, if they care enough to look. Yeah. So for me, I think that when it comes to their perspectives, they see in the one from Paris, her mom is from Philadelphia. Her dad is from France and she she's born in France, grew up in France and then came to Philadelphia like to spend time with her family she there now? after the fact. She's back in France. She just got married. Okay. Actually. Yeah. So she's seen it from both sides. So I have this friend from Finland who's in America for one year of her life. 
and that changed her whole life. And then she went back to like Finland, all this, and it's completely different. Have another friend from the Middle East who came to America for school. So she has the Middle East thought process, the American thought process, now living in Europe. And then I have this friend from France who sees the duality because her mom's from Philadelphia yeah. area and her rest of her family's from France. So it's like this weird thing. Like if when I talk to them about certain things, they all have different perspectives about what's going on, but they all... I don't know if I want to say agree, but they all believe that progress is being made. But then you got to think about where they came from, where progress being made looks so much different, where mm-hmm. France is arguably the most racist country. You could argue outside of America ever with the things that they have done historically in their nation's land, um, Middle East, what they're the going World through Cup with team. other... All, all, all France, no, born and bred, right? Yeah. It's wild, dude. It's absolutely <laughs> wild. You know what I mean? And, and Finland just went, they were, they had, I didn't notice because I was on social media, but my friend told me that they had like a social media circus happening in Finland two months ago because they have a game in Finland that's like a national game and they did it on a college campus and then they got a lot of pushback because the game is inherently racist and then they didn't know. And then she that's showed like, me the game. Uh, it's like beer pong in Boston. <clears throat> like, no, it's, it's worse than that, bro. So like what you know what you show? know what we grew up calling it right yeah yeah no, yeah. I know we'll talk about that uh so like that's also a game in Finland believe it or not Is we'll it? talk about that we'll talk about that off mic she told me she was like yeah my family used to call it was called such and such and you never wanted to be the and I was like yo <laughs> like so she sold me the game right the this feels game. like this feels a lot like your your story of your friend that studied abroad in Ireland as well yeah it does <laughs> feel like that R.I.P. uh but like it's she showed me the board of the game, dude. If I had to give you one guess, what is the board of the game? Of which game? The game that I'm about to describe that's like inherently racist and Finland had no clue it was racist. Like it's a board game. What do you um, think is on this board game? Like what do you think the board is, is, is like the image <laughs> of the board? You, you, I tried to think of like what's the what's a like what's a popular uh, like totally normal game? Make it racist. <laughs> and I came up with Candyland, but it's the Underground Railroad. I wish it was that that kind. <laughs> it was the entire map of the continent of, of Africa. Oh, the entire map of the continent of Africa, and the cleat of the game is to is to conquer the most land. That's the so fucking game. So like, literally, I was like Europe. <laughs> dog, I was like, I looked at, it, I was like, she she was like, she was like, I want to show you this game, and I want you to know what you think. She put it up, point three seconds. Like, oh yeah, that's racist. And she was like, what? And I was like. That's the whole map of Africa. And the whole point of the game is to literally conquer all of the land. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's history. Like, what, I don't know what you want me to say about this. Yeah, that, like, that's, that's a wild one. Dog, and they still sell. Like, that's what's, it's a national game. And like, that's what's so, so wild It would about. be like sold in like Target type shit. It'll be like, yeah, it'll be like a Hasbro game to them. Yeah. That's wild. Dog. I was like. <laughs> yeah, they, they need to stick to playing chess. but that's the world we live in where we don't even realize well i was gonna say like you know even that's a global uh relationship like me being a a white kid from the suburbs of boston like and in my school system we actually probably got more access to inner city kids than most because we Mm -hmm. would like bus kids from boston out to us because we had a good school system right no from boston Mm -hmm. uh but uh, Newton, so, but like, so we used to bust them out. So like, we had like a little more, but like when I got to Philly, that was a whole new world. Oh yeah, it's wild out here. It's different. Like, like I didn't, I didn't know what it was like to like walk around and like have to be aware of everything. 
<laughs> and that's yeah. again as a white dude where it's like usually i'm not the one being targeted most yeah yeah everybody gets it out here yeah it's crazy and, and, but yeah, the same yeah. way you'll appreciate this uh we had some family friends that helped me move some furniture into my apartment up here and they were people that great people but they they've they've done well for themselves and as a result have lived comfortably okay and they came to drop some stuff off He because they dropped off like this bed and, and some other stuff and helped carry it up. And apparently mm-hmm. he went back to his wife and these are just longtime family friends. And they're like, you know, we can't have him live in there. Like it looks like a crack house, like, um, like really unsafe. And I, and I was like, here's the thing. Is it perfect? No, ain't, ain't much worse at all than what I was doing in Philly. And if anything, I know how to handle myself now. You know, like, not not that, like, I lived in North, but, like, even that afternoon, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, you can pick up cues on people. You can kick, pick up cues on people. It's like, all right, that dude's tweaking. That that yeah. dude doesn't know where he is. Yeah. Like, that that obviously is a gun poking out that jacket, but mm-hmm. we're going to keep this thing pushing. But, but, you, you, but, I, think, I think you can tell people that have weapons on them at all times. Mm. Well, not always. Not always, I should say. So but like, I was but saying, like you can be like mm, this guy's hand is weirdly close to his pocket right now. Yeah, I feel like the people who want you to know, you can hundred yeah. percent tell. And the people who who don't, I think the people who are who are looking to use their weapon, you typically know. Mm-hmm. And then the people who don't—that's a better way. Of, that's a better way it, of putting it. Yeah, yeah, who don't want to have to use it, but will you have no clue until that shit is on you? Right. Yeah. It's, it's a wild. No, I, I think it's that's a better wild. way to put. It. People that you need to be concerned about having a weapon at that moment. You can yeah, usually tell that there's some there's something on their mind. Dog, I remember watching somebody pull out a fucking AK-47 from a pant leg. A pant leg. I was How like, big was this what? Are these Jenko jeans or like this is so we didn't have Jenko some, jeans in the hood. These were big these ass were, jeans. Were, no, our Jenko jeans were bugle boy jeans. So like so this was like this was like the mid-2000s. So everybody was wearing like six sizes too big. Like it was yeah. like so like the Iverson just, effect he, was real. But you know what's crazy about that? You couldn't even tell he had one. So he had his belt. He had his belt uh, tied it to his waist, and he had it now his pant leg, and he just walking normal. And then you see him, and he was like, "Oh yeah." He's <laughs> <was> like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" <laughs> that is insane, man. Like that's crazy. Like why did what? <laughs> Oh man, the life man. I think that's what Andre Karolinko used to say, like in the bedrooms, like I'm about to pull this AK-47 out of my pant leg. And then he pulls it out and it's a 22. It's crazy out here how life comes at you fast. <laughs> yeah, you, you think it's an innuendo and it's not. It's not at all. Like 0% of it is. What did he so say you remember he's Russian? Malibu's most wanted, Jamie Kennedy, Philadelphia legend. He was like, my dick's so small, when I piss, I piss on my balls. And I was like, what, what? <laughs> Like I, I put that on the, the same line as I, I know we you're not a fan of his, but I will like the one line from uh Lil Dicky in, in Freaky Friday where it's mm-hmm. literally Chris Brown also like er, mm-hmm. <laughs> how his dick stay up perched up on his balls like that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, he I mean he stole that from Jamie Kennedy, obviously, to Philadelphia area people. I still haven't watched that that uh frat rap video you sent. I told you I'm behind. Dude, you got that one is good though. That one is well, like eight th- th- again. It's all qualitative of how far behind I am in videos. 
That was only eight minutes. And the good thing about it is I think the more you watch, the more you appreciate it. So it's not like a one and done video. Like you can watch it passively. Okay. And then go back to it passively and catch things. So it's, I think it's one of those kind of. I'm, I'm gonna watch that while, while I'm editing this one. I think. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be dope. That'll be, and I would love to know what you talk about it because most of the people they talk about are still around. So it's yeah. like interesting that how they talk about them. Is, is Mac the or how many have passed? But by the way, you, you know you know what's great about Mac? Uh, this is there's another like social media clip that I saw. It was like uh, someone's talking about like. Um, young black rappers of like this this current and past generation mm-hmm. and like someone's like i know he's not black but mac i mean he's still great and you know he i'm still gonna mention him on this list i was like all right <laughs> man transcended race apparently <laughs> dude we love mac in the black community man and i think it's because he came from pittsburgh with rostrum records um right after wiz khalifa got was, was known for rostrum records and he never he always was true to who he was, even when he was transitioning into another phase of his life, which most r- white rappers, in my opinion, don't do. Like most white rappers, in my opinion, they come in. I, this is how I look at most white rappers, most white rappers. So these are three characteristics of most white rappers. <clears throat> writing a thesis on white rappers just for the fun of it. OK, I'm, I'm going to have to keep this in mind for when you ghostwrite for me. Got you. They come in trying hard to portray an image that they think black people would appreciate, approve of, or that they can see themselves in. That's not them. So like, okay. That, a that's lot what of those, like, like, would you put like, so like, I'm trying to think of the biggest white rappers that have also transitioned out of, not wait, wait, of, don't, no, 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 no. That's, one of, yeah, that's one of my points. That's one of my points. Come on. Come on. That's one yeah, okay. So like, okay. I would say an example of this um, on both sides of the spectrum that was trying to be what they thought it was, was Post Malone. And then an example of who a person was, but they didn't know him yet, was Paul Wall. I don't right. think Paul Wall was trying to be black. I think no. that's just Paul Wall is where he comes from in Houston. But yeah. we had to learn to, to understand Paul Wall. I'm like, oh, that's just who he is. I mean, where it was hard I, to understand him when you got the grills in, too. No, he well, spoke better than me with those grills, and I got no <laughs> grills. So, But you saw Post Malone. That wasn't really him. That was an image he was portraying. Yeah, he's a kid from Grapevine, and I so, lived in Grapevine. Yeah, excuse me. So like, so the number two thing is when people use rap to transition into other things, which is one of my biggest beefs with Lil Dicky, is that he never really wanted to be a rapper. He wanted to be in TV and movies. and He, he wanted to be a comedian. He didn't even want to be that. He never did a stand up in his life. He wanted to be in right. TVs and movies. So like he used the black culture of rap in Philadelphia because he could put words together and he could rhyme. And when you can rhyme as a white kid, you get infinitely more credit off the top than any black kid. And you automatically get a certain level of success if you're not too, too corny. So like when you use rap to project yourself into a different lane, and I think that I don't want this to be the truth because I've been rocking with him since he was balding before he got his surgery. Look at MGK. Look at a lot of these dudes who are like, he he was one of those things where it's like, he, he, he to me feels closer to like he was in the culture though growing up. I, he was, I believe, I firmly believe he was in that culture. But then when rap wasn't working out, he went to the white culture, which is still black culture. But for right now, it's because the white culture, which is rock music. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is when you see white people trying to be overly tough, like it's like I got to prove myself in, a, in an aggressive. Is that way. like gotta, uh, you're talking like Mark Wahlberg in, in the olden days? Nah, he just was out here doing cake crimes. I mean, in the music, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's I mean, crazy the past that Mark Wahlberg gets, by the way. And that's still my God, but like, but I mean, like how how the music might sound, the overly aggressiveness, the the, the super machismo masculinity shit, where it's just like I gotta, I'm a white rapper, but I gotta be like super, super, super tough because I'm a white rapper, 
And it's like, you really don't, you could just be whoever you need to be and then kind of accept the fate and the path that you're going to. So those are my three. Who would you say is an example of that? Like super masculine, being like, yo, I'm a white rapper, take me seriously kind of a thing. Yeah. But like those are the not, ones that flame out the quickest, no? Uh, I don't know if they flame out the quickest, but like, I think an example of that is is uh, Sammy Adams. Sammy Adams was was a dude who was just like, I'm a super bro. I'm a super of this. He didn't like he wasn't out here saying bitches and hoes and his music and like that. But his image was super bravado, super party uh, boy, young, party boy, young, masculine, kind of like like almost to the extreme. It was like really to the extreme where like I think a good example of it not being extreme was Asher Roth. Hmm. Where Asher Roth was just a white dude. Like, he was like, no, I'm just like a white dude. Like, this is just really how white dudes operate. Where, like, so, I think Sammy that, Adams... That almost falls more to, like, who were the frat rappers that, like, couldn't do anything else? Couldn't? That, like, all you can talk about is partying and shit like that. I don't know if there's a couldn't thing. Because if you think about it, I think one of the rappers who has somehow escaped the white rapper Mike gaze, Posner? No. He's not a rapper, but like who somehow escaped the, the white rapper gaze. And he could be if you don't know any of his music and you just saw him, you'll probably think he was like a stereotypical corny white rapper. But then when you hear him rap, you hear his interviews or you see him with the people he's with, you could tell he's authentic. And that's g Easy. Like g Easy is a dude. If you saw him, you'd be like, who the fuck is this greaser from from the outsiders? Like it would be like one of these things. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, no, he's like he's official. He's from Oakland. He's like, yada, 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 yada. Marshawn Lynch rocks with him like you know what I mean so it's a little bit different but if you didn't know any of his music you would assume that he was basically like Sammy Adams but West Coast the kids gotta start listening to like H <laughs> that's a well, different type of white rapper yeah oh I love NH dude no not uh, NH or uh H from uh the UK oh I haven't listened to H it's, it's uh A-I-T-C-H I've he seen, was I've on, seen, yeah, he was on I the, uh, the remix with uh, Ed on uh, yeah. Straight Outta London. Or, yeah, yeah, Straight yeah. Out of London. Like, uh, take me back uh, to London. Yeah, take me back to London. I knew what you meant. I knew what you yeah. meant. I was gonna, I was, that's the white version of Straight Outta uh, Compton. <laughs> take Compton. me back to London. Yeah. That's the white version. So straight, that's going to be, I yeah. got to be an episode, a white version of every black media source. So like Straight Outta Compton, take me back to London. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> but, well, we already know some of them. Chaps in Paris. So him and, My- yes. <laughs> so he he's really good friends with Stormzy. So like I watched one of uh, H's. Yeah. Uh, JK's another one. Yeah, I watched one of H's interviews recently and I was like, oh, I kind of like this kid. Like, I got I to gotta get into it. I haven't listened to him yet, but like, I'm going to get into his music, I think, because I like the way he thinks. And I was like, oh, this is dope, man. And he's well, well aware that he is a white kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, which is dope. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they got a few over there. I mean, I, mm. I, I, you, we've talked about this for years. Another one, hyper masculinity and super, super, super stereotypical was um, Riff Raff. Oh, Riff Raff. And I yeah. fuck with Riff Raff, actually. I fuck with not his music. I fuck with him as a person. I thought he was funny. And I still think he was funny. But you could tell it was like a super, it was super never heightened level. Yeah. yeah. I, you know when they got exposed with maybe Hot Ones? <laughs> it was like, oh, no, this is just a normal dude. Like, like, <laughs> like, like It was like early, early era Hot Ones where it's like, oh, no, the hot sauce straight up burned off Riff Raff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the hot sauce ate through Riff Raff and came back to, to Philip. Yeah. I don't know his real name, but I'm assuming it's Philip. <laughs> that... I would say I'm gonna look it up. I'm not going to. His name is Philip. And I appreciate Riff Raff too because to me, Riff Raff has never changed. Though, like he has, he has been Riff Raff since we saw him. 
Cocaine I love how his name the... is like on Wikipedia in all caps apart from the I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I just looked up his name. Sir Gertrude. Sir William. I don't know. Horst Christian Simcoe. Is he from America? He's from Houston. Horst. H O R S T is his first name. See, yeah, Riff Raff is doper. <laughs> Very rarely would Riff Raff born be a better in Houston name to a maid and a Vietnam War veteran with severe PTSD. What a wild way to describe that. Somebody's parents? Yeah, that's fucked up, dog. That's fucked up. <laughs> look how that, they that's explain, straight up off Wikipedia. Dog, look how they explain white rappers' parents as opposed to black rapper parents. They'll be like, yeah, he was born to a mom who was a black panther and a father who wasn't there. Uh, his mom was a maid and his dad had PTSD. Yeah, with, with, with it, by the way, within like three uh, sentences, it's like, uh, by the middle of the decade, they moved to nearby Stone Creek, and he is, was a shooting guard on the high school's basketball team before dropping out. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Dude, there's uh, there's a deep, there's a lot of videos of Riff Raff just doing cocaine. Uh, yeah, and then he also moved to Minnesota. That makes you immediately whiter. I don't know. Prince is from Minnesota, though. There's exceptions to every rule. Uh, Show me a white D bag. Uh, Chris Weddle, Eric Weddle. No, that's his name. See, yeah, you couldn't right. even get his couldn't even get his name right. <laughs> He's like, man, some white guy back there wearing thirty-two. Uh, it's fucked up. Pat man. Tillman. Was he? Was he? A, was he a D back? He's a safety, right? Who? Pat Tillman. Come on, man. You gonna go Pat Tillman on me? I can't say nothing bad about Pat Tillman. I can't be like <laughs> he was substandard. I was fucked up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the white man's race card. <laughs> the show. The show being like. So uh, army say guy? something. Say something. Yeah. He, died, he died for your for your for your freedom. Ah, Harriet Tubman died for my freedom. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that too far? That- <laughs> um, again, I, I don't know that I have the ability to make Listen, comment on that. The first American to die for American f- independence and freedom was Crispus Atux in Massachusetts. Attucks. Well, yeah, we call them addicts, so it's definitely a tux. It's actually. a tux. Yeah, right. it's a tux. <laughs> is, is it actually? Is that the and he's a black man, so oh, I know it is. So it's definitely not no, no. You, I'm talking, talking to I'm talking to our uh, listeners. Yeah. So like, we've been dying for freedom for a long time. Not to mention, Christmas addicts died uh, at like he well, he wasn't killed by the British, which no. is what they no. want you to think. No, he was killed by his own side. Like, You're like, yeah, that one's disposable. Like that shit crazy. <laughs> it's like, it is ah. crazy. <laughs> like that's literally how they looked at it too. Yeah. Well, yeah, what's one more? Yeah. They were already killing them, so. That's insane. The world we live in is, like, when I sit back sometimes with this bag of gags and this bag of this weed that gives me, I I really be thinking, like, people don't understand how crazy our history is. Like, our history is, even, like, recent history, not, like, ancient history, but, like, in general, this shit is wild. Wild. Like one thing, they, they just found slaves in Libya like three years ago, and everybody forgot about it already. <laughs> they were like, "Yo, they still slaving." Like you know, you know how crazy. It's, Yo, they still slaving. Like who's slaving? I, I saw something recently that there's there's more documented slaves now than in the history of humanity. Yeah, because they count prisoners as slaves. Oh, is that what it is? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's been more prisoners in right now than in the history of anything. And think about it, Rome took everybody as prisoners. 
So if there's more prisoners now. <laughs> and then they were, they were fairly well documented at the time. Dude, that's insane. That yeah, is because like, yeah, because technically, if you if you are like a ward of the state or like a prisoner or something, you could be considered a slave. Interesting. Because uh, basic human rights, basic human laws and rights don't apply to your situation. I think that's how they class. I, I think that's how they classify it as slavery. Like you don't have to necessarily be in shackles and chains and being getting beat, but like if basic human laws and rights don't apply to you and you have ownership of said person, then that's slavery. Feels like an apt definition. It seems pretty accurate. Yes. Seem worse. Yeah, we ain't shit, yo. We. Ain't. <laughs> but but so but to to kind of circle back and and this may even be a point to to wrap it on. I think that's a perfect reasoning of like. I think the connecting thought behind everything we've discussed in terms of race relations with all this is like. Why do we, you know, it, it goes into progress and who's the issue and everything else. It's like, how about we just realize that our shit don't stink? Like, our shit still stinks. Like, stop thinking your shit don't stink just because, like, one good thing has happened. Um, and I think that's the biggest issue with people who are like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm making the difference, you know, like, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. And it's like, no, we're not we're just like slightly marginally barely better than maybe it used to be. Yeah. And probably not even. No, but that's, that's a great point. I I think that like, it goes back to something that I made up years ago. This is like two years ago. And I was like, everybody want to be in the picture, but nobody want to go buy a film. It's like, yo, when we figure it out, it's the same thought process of when, when a building is being erected, you see the people in the suits with the golden shovels breaking ground. These motherfuckers ain't cutting the red ribbon. Yeah, ain't putting ain't laying no bricks, ain't putting no drywall up, but they get the picture when the real workers are behind you, dusty and dirty because they've been working 12 hour shifts. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. It's the photo opportunity. Like people want to, I also made this part up, whereas like people want that uh, XYZs, but they refuse to go over to ABCs. Like you can't tell me you want me to walk into your room and tell you how to solve slavery, solve racism, and you don't even understand what racism is. And right. we want to skip the steps because we just want the outcome. We want the, we want the, you want the I, glory. I don't want, you don't want the, you know, it's like, um, I don't know how that happened though. I feel like humans used to appreciate the grind of something and getting in the I th- process. I think it's. I think. It, I think part of it is the the modern. I don't know if it, I don't. I don't think it's the modern generation because generations inherently get so much shit from previous generations. Mm-hmm. But I think in today's society, social media, um, there's so much instant gratification. Mm. Like, be, like I think it's as simple as like there was a time that to like get your prize in the mail you had to wait for something to come in the mail oh yeah i forgot about the cereal boxes and shit yeah right like there was a like you had to grind you had to do stuff over time like i I think it is might be as simple as that where you're like now it's like oh yeah i got this email because i won this contest yeah and it's just it's just done but like I, I like I don't know. I mean I don't know that that's a perfect answer, but like I think that's a factor. It's like everything well, I, is so now 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 that people yeah. think that everything is supposed to be that way. You might be right. You might be hundred percent right. It's just weird because it I think it has transcended generations though. Like I know old people who have no patience. I know young people who have no patience. I know people who are like 50 years old who have no patience. I'm like, 
Yeah. Y'all, all y'all motherfuckers ain't adverse to the internet. Like all of y'all don't know the internet that well. All of y'all don't know. So like, how did this, is it just because people are feeding into what the common narrative is? Or do you think that people are more focused on their time that they realize when they don't have a lot of it? It's an interesting one. And one of the quotes that I heard last year that, that like, it reminded me that I can, I need to really drop another album soon. And it was like, our ancestors ran towards death. We run away from it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so real. And I think the other part of that quote was, that's why they had great civilizations and we are great within a civilization. Like, it's not like a whole, it's like individuals have greatness and the rest right. of the civilization suffers. It's like, that's a great point. And we also put so much celebration and, and some of it is worth celebrating mm-hmm. on the individual rather than the movement. Yeah. Yeah. If MLK didn't die, I don't know if the impact would have been as great, sadly enough. That, that's like, and, and like oftentimes people also use that type of conversation as a way to discredit certain um, movements, I think, where there's like a, a, a sense and feeling that it's like, oh, well, we wouldn't be talking about X or Mac or Nipsey. Like, mm-hmm. like it, people use it as a way now to discredit their accomplishments as well mm-hmm. by saying, oh, we're only talking about them because they died. It's like, no, we're not. Like, we're talking about because they made an impact on the culture and that impact is still being felt they also made good music and like, sure. Some people may use posthumously their death as a way to glorify their life. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we, we should discredit everything they ever did now though. Yeah. But like there, there is a, a mix of those two. Yeah. Especially if you look at history, the people around the world, not just America, but the people, a lot of most, I would argue most of the people who we hold up in history as trendsetters people who define culture people who change the trajectory of time did not live that long right like it's like one of those things where like i think we forget that like throughout history has always been this like if you die young then you're immortalized in a way in which if you live to be 100 you just may not be unless you read the bible you know like the other things like what's wrong with that what's wrong with glorifying people that are gone too soon like let let them live on for the years that they should have been with us yeah like never thought about it that way but i I like that mentality yeah that's that's really what it is you know whether it be religion jesus died at 33 you know what i'm saying like whether it be music it was either uh beethoven or mozart they were one of them was kid like a kid like it wasn't like some 40 year old man out here ball it's like no that was a child doing what they did you know what i mean like Like everyone back then died at like 12 you know what i mean when shakespeare lived past 40 they was like oh my god this is insane like it was it's it's crazy how much less stress you have when you just steal all your work Shout out to Albert Einstein, and we're quite right. That's right. 